Each of us are made up of three parts, and each part wants to control us, our lives. I'm only going to talk about one of those parts today. I'll talk about the other two in another day. It's written in Second or First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. He said, "As soon as I get it." And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, wholly, complete. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, I just read up to here now. I, I got to be careful to stay right on this one program, this one path. No rabbit trails. Linda, you know how to help me. So... Faithful is he who calls you who will also do it. It says that. He's got it right there. Okay. So today I'm going to talk to you about your spirit. How your spirit came to you. What your spirit does. How your spirit can be connected to God and why it should be connected to God. And what happens when it is connected to God. So, the first place I want to go is John 4, 23. Well, I guess this is the second place. John 4, 23, the Lord was speaking to the, to the uh, woman at the well in John chapter 4. And he's talking to her, and there's a, you probably know the story. He says to her in verse 23, but the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers, who you like that word? True word. There can be false worshipers. There can be those that aren't really worshiping God. Is that possible? He said, when you shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet know. But the hour comes when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now listen, this is the minute we talk about worship in the church, the first thing we think about is Sunday morning, the band raising our hands and worshiping. That's what we think about, right? And that's a small part. That's praise. It's good. But it's a very small part of true worship. True worship is something that goes on in your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if it doesn't, you're not a true worshiper, and I'm going to show you how that happens and give you an opportunity to move into that if you need to today. So, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul said, yeah, verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. Now, the world joins the spirit and the soul because the world does not understand spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. doesn't understand the spirit of man. There's a spirit in man. If you don't have a spirit, even as a sinner, you're not alive. I'll show you that in a moment. I'm going to prove everything I tell you this morning. I really want us to see this because the word of God will divide the soul and the spirit. You'll find that in Hebrews. So Paul tells us, I'm, I'm serving God in the gospel, but I'm serving him with my spirit. My soul and flesh are following, but I'm serving with my spirit. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Let's actually see how man got a spirit. Are you bearing with me? We'll get all the way there. You watch it. Hang on. I need to lay this little foundation for us. You know, nobody, I never, ever in my life, 44 years, I've been hearing preachers, I've, been, I've never heard anybody tell you what I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to prove it through the Word of God. Never. I've never heard anybody divide my spirit, my soul, and my flesh. But there are three separate entities in me and in you. Today, we're just going to talk about the spirit. We're going to avoid going to the soul. Oh, my. Okay. Chapter, verse, yeah, chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. 
Even scientists proved that there's flesh here, but watch. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Right there, right there, man received the spirit, his spirit, not God's spirit. God saved, God gave him the spirit of man, and man became a living soul. Two different things, spirit, soul. But here's this body laying on the ground made of dust and, and clay. So God breathed into those nostrils, that body, the breath of life. And that breath of life was man's spirit who came to him. And then man's soul was made alive. So when man stood up off the ground, Adam, he's got a, a body, he's got a soul, but he's got a spirit that is operating the whole thing and teaching him and motivating his soul. Now, that did something else. If we go back to verse 28 of chapter 1 of Genesis, and God blessed them. Now, verse, chapter 2 is a detail of chapter 1 in Genesis. Did you get that? Chapter 2, I've heard people say, oh, there's two different creations. Not true. That second chapter is a detail of chapter 1. It goes into a little greater detail. So God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, this next part could be tough. I'm not going to talk about it too much. And, be, and replenish the earth. That's an interesting thought. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That's what he gave man. But I want to go back to this one little thing. Multiply. Replenish. That means that when God breathed the breath of life, into Adam. He gave Adam and Eve both power to procreate and create life. There's, there, there, there's a, a baby in this womb right here. That baby was not created by God. That baby was created by the mother and the father, by the man and the woman. He gave them power to do that. Does God know the baby? Of course. But God gave man power to, to procreate and create children all day long for some. I didn't mean it that way. No, come on, guys. Be nice. I want to show you something about your spirit. I'm, I'm just laying a little foundation here. I'm going to talk to you about your spirit. Let's go real quick to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. You can see it up there, right? He says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The very seed of who you are is in your spirit, not in your soul. So your spirit, now again, man separates. It's interesting. I read a little book called The Magic of Believing. 50 years ago. Didn't understand it. I read it again a couple of years ago, and I understand it. it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with... It's all about man's subconscious. Science believes that man has a subconscious. The Lord said, that's not true. It's not? No, man has a spirit. Yes. It's his spirit. It's our spirit that knows, knows things. That spirit of man does not know God and can't know God without the spirit of God joining with him. So God knows us by our spirit, and, he's, and our spirit is God's candle in us. It's a light in us that he can search us out in our heart, which is our spirit, our inner man. You're primarily a spirit. When I heard... Leah's testimony this morning. Oh, Becca, I'm sorry. I called her Leah. I, I get it. Sorry, Rebecca. I get it mixed up. I think I've got You ever said to Kenner, hey, Brian, you ever doing that with your kids? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, honey. So anyway, uh, when I heard her testimony this morning, something happened in my spirit, not in my mind, not my body, my spirit. And I, and I know it. I know my spirit. So it jumped out, and I knew exactly what I had to do, my little part in her and their issue. 
The spirit is where we want to live. So, that chapter, no, uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Are you guys following me all right? Am I going too fast or too slow or not enough? Or I, what? First so, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But it's verse 10 and 11 and 12. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Not by our spirit, by his spirit. For the spirit, capital S, the candle of the Lord, searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? So the spirit that's in you is a man understands the things of men, the things of the world even. Even so, the things of God no man knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received, oh, here you go, not the spirit of the world. Wait a minute. The spirit of natural man and the spirit of the world are the same thing. They operate together. Without that spirit of man, there is no spirit of the world. That's what you see out here that you disdain, that you don't like. That's where the headlines come from. You don't like it. The spirit of man. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely that reckless love we were singing about, freely given to us of God. So there's that separation between the God's spirit and man's spirit. There's a separation. The child comes forth from his mother's womb. He's not joined to the Lord yet. He's not born again yet. I got a great story about a brother I have that I'm going to tell you a little while. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, because now we're going to move on into, I'm, going to, I'm still dealing with the Spirit, just to show you, here's the word of Jesus to believers, just people that he's dealing with. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Wait a minute now. He didn't command us to be witnesses. There's no command to be his witness. There's the promise that we're his witnesses if the Holy Spirit has come upon us and joined to us. I heard Steve ask a question last week of us. Are you the go-to guy in your, in your work where they come to you because they need prayer? I, I don't know about that. <clears throat> I know this, that he promised us that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, at home, in in in, in uh, Samaria, that's uh, Judea, that's a little bit farther. Samaria is another place, uttermost parts of the earth. The body of Christ, he's talking about. That we would be his witnesses, that we are his witnesses, if indeed the Holy Spirit is in us. Our spirit knows things, but does not know the things of God. Our mind can know things of God. I can read the Bible, and I can understand with my mind some of the words there. You've heard a lot of people say, well, I've tried to read the Bible. I don't understand. There's a reason. So the Spirit teaches us the things of God. The Spirit of God does not teach us the things that belong to man. He teaches us the things that belong to God, and he does teach us. And if the Spirit is in you, he is teaching you, and you are his witness. And everything about the Scripture is true in you. There's a power that comes. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses. 
you won't be able to help it. Now, let's continue on. Let's go to Acts 2.4. Today, here we are in the upper room with the disciples. We've been waiting on the Lord. It's been days. He, de he departed 10 days ago, and we've been waiting and praying and fasting. We finally come into harmony with one another. We're waiting for the promise that Jesus gave us. We have no other reason for being in this room. We're waiting for the promise. We don't know what it looks like. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I know you don't have that up there. It's okay. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. All. 120. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's that about? But why would they start speaking in tongues? What, what really happened here? I'm going to tell you what happened here. When the Holy Spirit came and filled their spirits, each one of them individually, 120, he commingled with their spirit. Like tea and honey, you can't separate it. Once he comes, like you can't separate it. He's there. It's a matter of exercise now. So he came, and let me tell you what happened. The first thing that happened is a connection took place between man and God. They knew all about God. They were raised in the tabernacle. They were raised in the synagogue. They heard the scriptures every week. They believed. They were with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They heard his words. They believed, but they did not yet have that connection with God. So the first, consider this. Let me use some carnal examples. I'm not in the computer business, and I know next to nothing. I, I know that much more than Keith. <laughs> but I know that if I'm setting up a network, there's got to be some kind of a connection between this server and that computer. And there's an evidence that that happened. Do you remember years ago when you turned on the windows and went, doo -doo -doo -doo, that little noise? You're connected. That's what the tongues were. That tongue is the language of God. Wait a minute. Doesn't God speak English? Of course. Every, every uh, language in the world God can speak. However, however, that's not the language that he uses to communicate back and forth. Can he understand your words? Well, of course he can. Does he hear my prayer? Absolutely. Does he answer? Of course. Well, then what's the deal with tongues? Tongues are more than the connection. It's his language. At the Tower of Babel, God separated the nations with their languages. And now he has a language that this guy does not understand, this mind. I do not understand the, the tongues. I may get an interpretation, or you may get an interpretation, but I don't really understand. And I pray in tongues a lot. Why would you do that? It's communication between my spirit and the Father. And it bypasses this guy. I don't know what to pray for as I should. Come on, I can see a problem here or a need there in my life or somebody else's life. I can pray for it. But see, there are things that I don't comprehend. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them to love him. But he has revealed them by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches the deep things of God and shows it to us. So that language came to give these people a communicating road between them and God beyond their mind. How else can you pray without ceasing? My spirit is praying all the time. And I join in with it regularly. I can just join it. And I'll show you that in a minute. 
So I'm saying to you that your spirit is the spirit of man. But when it's mingled with God and there's been a connection, and you know there's a connection, you've received a, a, a language, the computer language, whatever you want to call it, between you and God, you can exercise now a free communication, and you don't even know it. By the way, that language is not only pure, not only pure, it speaks mysteries to God, and it always speaks the truth, because the Spirit is praying. Your Spirit joined with the Spirit of God is praying to God, and that Spirit knows the mind of God, what is the will of God, and you're speaking the will of God to God for you or for whatever. So there's an expectation that we be filled with the Spirit of God. I've seen people try to teach other people to pray in tongues. That's folly. It's not going to happen. Don't do that. Please, run from that. It's not true. This is not a learned language. This is the language of God. Paul talked about, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. Angels understand. They're there. They understand what you're saying. It's part of their language. Can they speak in English? Of course they can. Or any other language. But the language of God is not English or Yiddish or Pakistani or Urdu or anything else. The language of God is in the Spirit, and it comes forth out of your tongue, and they call it tongues. That's what they, they're trying to get to us to tell us what it is. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 8. I want, I want to show you something. Have I established that we need the Spirit of God to be able to actually talk with God and be joined up and lined up with God? We need to have the Holy Spirit in us. And we can know that we have the Spirit. We don't guess. Now, I want to take you to Acts, cha no, Acts chapter 4. Oops. Went too far. Okay. Um, where are we at? Okay. So Philip went down to Samaria preaching Christ. Many of them which heard the word, verse 4, believed. Am I in the right place? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> Duh. Acts chapter 8. See, I'd like to just run through it, but I need to read this to you so I can prove to what I'm telling you. Eight. Okay. They that were scattered abroad. This is, this is verse 4 of chapter 8. Now, this is for the, the people that were, uh, the church in Jerusalem was persecuted and they were scattered abroad. And I love the fact that they were all scattered abroad and they all went everywhere preaching the word. Let me tell you something. God wants to give this little church, or no, no. God is going to give this little church one voice. This little church is in the, in, in the very forefront of change. It's not going to be little forever. And the voice of the Lord needs to be in here, and will be in here, not just in here, but through here. And there be people here that you don't know today, that you can't even imagine. And they'll come from all things. You know why? Because they're going to find out that there's bread in this house. There are people that want bread. They don't want religion. They want something real. So, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I've always loved that scripture. I saw, the, I saw these people. How in the world were they raised up as a church that they all went out and preached the word? Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord listened to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out, and many of them that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. You know, uh, Keith was talking about these guys over here in the 
in the rehab center, not a rehab center, I guess it's going to be like a rehab center. A lot of those guys have devils running in their lives. I talked to a brother last night who I love, and his youngest son has got some real issues. And I've known that boy since he was born. It's the demon. I've got my heart before the Lord for him. I don't want him taking his own life. He's talking about it, though. He's just so distraught. And he doesn't need another man to come and talk to him. He needs God to say something to him and free him from that thing. The world's full of people like that. I've sat with a lot of people that were ready to kill themselves and freedom from that over the years. Demons are real. And don't let anybody tell you it's not. There was great joy in that city over the gospel. But there was a certain man called Simon. Okay, so Simon is a sorcerer. He's... He's vexing the people with his magic, and finally he believed. He believed. Okay, he believed. So there he is in the group. And he baptized everybody, by the way. Look at verse 14. They believed. They've come to Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They believe that Jesus is Messiah. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who, when they were came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Oops, excuse me, wait, time out. I believe in Jesus, I must have the Spirit. Is that true, really? You've been awakened to the Lord. But do you know for sure that the Spirit of God is living in you and controlling you, Really? There's a way. I've just shared it with you. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think we have a lot of church like that all over the place. It's not that they're not saved. Jesus promised, you believe in me, you, you'll be saved. But eye is not seen and ear is not heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man. The things that God's prepared for those that love him, yet he has revealed them to us individually by his spirit. Then they laid their hands on him and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Excuse me? What did he see? How does he know anything happened? How does he know they actually received something? That there was a connection? How? And I'll show you in a moment. All through the scriptures. Because back at Acts 2-4, something took place in those 120 that was undeniable. And then the fruit of it was even more undeniable. They received the Spirit of God. They spoke in tongues. The tongues is the connection of God's language, and now they have communication with God. Well, let's just cruise on over to Acts chapter 10. Oh, yeah, I got 10, 1 through 48 down there, don't I? Too many. I'm just going to tell you what happened, okay? There's a fellow named Cornelius. He, he's a Gentile, but he likes God. He loves God, and he loves God's people, and he's giving money to, to, to the church or to the synagogue, and he prays, and he fasts. Would you call that a believer? I would. <laughs> but God was really interested in giving him something more. So he's fasting and praying. And you know what? An angel showed up to talk to him. Are you ready for this? Wait a minute. When's the last time an angel came into your bedroom and talked to you? An angel, God wanted something to happen for Cornelius. So an angel came and said, hey, your prayer's heard. God's seen your alms. He's heard your prayer. He wants you to call for, for a, a man named Peter in Joppa. He's, he's living with Simon the Tanner. So he's, all right. So he packs up these guys, go to Simon the Tanner's house and get Peter. Well, now we go over to Simon's house. Peter's standing on the roof, and Peter's praying. I don't know how he's praying. There's no words in his prayer. I know how he's praying. He's praying by the Spirit. He's using his language that I could use. This right now is mine. I have it as mine. I can use it. You couldn't understand it. Why talk to you like that? 
I'll use words we can understand. So Peter's praying, and a vision appears. Great big sheet. All kinds of four-footed beasts that are illegal for a Jew. Arise, Peter. Kill and eat. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't eat unclean things. Peter, rise and eat. Kill. Lord, I do not eat unclean things. Then God said something interesting. Don't call common something that I've cleansed. It's not common. Wait a minute. Cornelius has been cleansed. The blood of Christ has been applied to Cornelius through his faith, his praying. He's a man who loves God, but he doesn't really know God yet. He doesn't have the connection, but he knows God right here in his mind, in his soul, which is part of his mind, or no, the mind is part of the soul. So he does know that much, but there's no power in his life. So while Peter's up on the roof, Peter, there's somebody here for you. Yeah? So he goes down, and the Spirit says again, Peter, just go with them. Don't doubt anything. He goes downstairs, and here's these Gentiles wanting to take him over to Cornelius' house. So he took a couple of brothers with him. And they went to Cornelius' house. And the Lord's standing there with Cornelius, and Peter's standing there with Cornelius, and he, he just doesn't, you know, all he could do was open his mouth, begin to speak. He spoke the words of the Lord. He spoke the gospel. Told him about Jesus. And while he was speaking, that precious spirit came and flooded Cornelius' spirit. And Cornelius was born. He was born right there. He was filled with God's spirit, the spirit of God, commingled with his spirit. And suddenly he's a brand new man. And suddenly his whole house comes. Cornelius loved God, but did not know the Spirit of God. Good man. God was determined to give Cornelius his spirit. And so he went through a, that reckless love you were talking about. He applied reckless love. Peter, of all the people in the church to send, he sent Peter to a Gentile, like he sent Ananias to Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle. The Spirit said that. And that's what he does. He speaks to us and gives us directions, and he gives us things to do and things to believe and how to think. He changes us so that we're his agents, we're his witness in the earth. Okay, let's go over here to uh, chapter 15, uh, uh, verse 1. Uh, now, certain men came down uh, to Jerusalem, and they, they were telling the Jews, that they, the Christians, they need to be circumcised. So there's a lot of big to-do over that thing, and all the elders are gathered together, and James and Peter's there, and they're trying to determine what to do about these people. And what are they, are they right, whatever? What kind of a burden should they put on the Gentiles? Be, be baptized? Uh, yes. Be, be circumcised? Uh, uh, tithe? Uh, no. What are we going to tell them? So take a look at verse... Um, Seven. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, a long time ago, not, not yesterday, it's been a while, God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did to us back in the upper room. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. They received that spirit of faith that now they can trust and believe God because he's living within them, honestly living with them, and they know that. Now, 
Let's go to Acts 19. I'm just proving what I'm telling you. That's all I want to do here. In Acts 19, Paul, it came to pass, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and he found certain disciples. He said to them, what a question. They're believers. Why would you ask them a question like this, Paul? Don't you trust their faith? Don't you trust their profession? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What? Doesn't every believer have the Holy Ghost? I'm sorry, no. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Have you noticed there's not a whole lot of that going around today either? Huh? We're all just want to teach you how to be a good boy or a good girl. How to believe God for this or for that. And he said to them, well, then what were you baptized to? He said, John's baptism. John brought repentance to them. Told them to, told them to believe in the Messiah. Sound familiar? Then said Paul, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, if they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on, the, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Twelve men. Those twelve men were the foundation of the church of Ephesus, that Paul stayed there for about three years. That's what I should talk to you about Ephesus. But anyway, Ephesians. Anyway. So we see that these disciples, they call them disciples. They only lacked one thing. The connection, the language, the communication from spirit to spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Our spirit man that is not joined to the Lord until the spirit comes into us cannot communicate spirit to spirit. And that's what God wants from us. Okay. Now, Romans chapter... Boy, we'll get down to the varnish here. All right, Romans chapter 8. Let me show you something about the, about the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, let me show you something else. There is a scripture that every one of us, if we haven't heard it, we have heard it. And maybe we can quote it. All things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are the called according to his purpose. Have you ever heard that one? If you have, raise your hand for me. Look at there. We've all heard it. But let me show you what that comes from. Let's go to verse 26. That was verse 28. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, our inabilities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we should. Remember I told you that I don't always know what to pray for? But let me tell you who does. My spirit knows. Because my spirit, the spirit I was born with, the one that was a sinner, the one that was a criminal, the one that was a philosopher, the one that knew all kinds of stuff about the world and man, didn't know anything about God until the Spirit came and joined into my spirit on that Wednesday night at the Brightmore Tabernacle. My wife got me jealous. It happened to her earlier in the morning. And that Spirit came into me and suddenly I knew the things of God. The Word of God became an open book to me. I can read it and understand every word of it. He says here, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I've noticed when there's times my spirit is praying and I can just join in with the words because I have words in my heart. I can just open up my mouth. I'm communicating with the Lord. But there's other times I really can't, I can't join with it. It's, like, it's different. He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts, remember the candle of the Lord? The candle of the Lord? That candle is searching my heart. And he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He knows what's being said through me. He knows my communication because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
not my will, not my limited understanding up here. This guy here is part of the soul. We have to talk about him another day. The spirit knows. Now, I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, probably one of my closest friends who I've known since about 1997. He was a young man raised in a Lutheran church. Did you know that they preach Jesus and they preach salvation in the Lutheran church? That's all they preach, but that's what they preach. It's okay. So, my friend was raised in that. When he was 14, he was taking some kind of youth group class, and he was sitting in his bedroom, and suddenly the Lord came into his room. And he said, I was born again. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, he grew, and he told the pastor, I think I'm called to ministry. So the pastor did what every good pastor does, Lutheran pastor or somebody else. He sent him to seminary. So he went to the seminary, and he learned all about the religion, learned all about those things. He came out of the seminary and became a pastor at a church in Nebraska. He was there for a couple of years, but... But he was rising the ladder. So they sent him to North Carolina. He and I had a lot of fun with that one. Fish camp. Anyway, so finally, they sent him back close to home. Monroe, Michigan. He was raised in Elmont. That's only an hour and a half or two away. So take the freeway up or Van Dyke or something. So anyway, he's in Monroe. Big church. School. Lots of money. Perks, retirement. He's running the show. He's visiting the sick. He's just doing it all, teaching on Sunday and running the whole program. And he started to get just a little, little sour, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What's it all about? His wife says, Daniel, I'd like my husband back. He didn't know what that meant. So we decided to start praying about it. And the Lord said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. <laughs> he didn't even know what that was. The Lord spoke to him. Is that strange? God would speak to a man? No. I believe he spoke to me before I was ever thought about him. Years ago, 12 years old, called my name. So, Daniel's praying away. And fasting. And then he actually started meeting some other people who were filled with the Spirit. And Daniel could no longer stay in that church. So he, 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 he uh, what did he do? He, he quit. What's the word I want? Resigned. He resigned. Thank you. That wasn't retired. You know, I'll tell you, I used to have all kinds of words, and now there's this little, in my mind, there's a little wire that, anyway. I do that with Linda all the time, don't I? And she goes, boy, I can't get that word. She helps me like you did. She's pretty sharp. So anyway, we, um, he started meeting with his other brothers. He, he resigned. They put somebody else in. He and his wife built a little log home over in Hart, and there he is. I meet him. It's some kind of a pastor's thing over in Utica or something. And the Lord just put us together. Well, time went on, and I was going with several other pastors to Smithton, Missouri. There was a, this is back in the late 90s, 98 maybe, and there was a little church in a cornfield out there that God had visited. There was a wonderful things going on. I took Linda there, and there's two of the girls, and, um, but I went with these brothers, and we asked Daniel to go with us, so he did. So we went out to Smithton, Missouri. There's no motels in Smithton. It's just a cornfield with a building and a church. So we went to Sedalia, about 12 miles away, and we got into a room hotel there, and we had a real nice time Friday night, Saturday. So Saturday, we're together somehow in the motel in, the, in their area. They had a patio type thing. But then we all, with five of us, five pastors, we all went into a room, somebody's one of their rooms, and we're there. And we begin to worship the Lord and praise the Lord. And the next thing you know, Daniel's on the floor. Now, we didn't know this, but for months, months, 
Daniel had been seeking God for the baptism of the Spirit because he knew he didn't have it. This guy's got something I don't have, and I want it. That, that was his thought. Months fasted, prayed, read the scriptures, sought the Lord. What was the problem here? Months. Why? He was filled with the knowledge of religion. He had these well-founded doctrines that did not include the Spirit of God in his spirit. And it took that long for the Lord to finally break through all of that mess and the simplicity of the Holy Spirit coming to a heart that wants him. So finally, right there on the floor in front of us, we're having a time. We're dancing in the spirit. We're having a time. One guy's up on the bed making some crazy stuff. He was just a, I got drunk that day in the spirit of God. I'd never been drunk before. I've laughed, had a great time. But drunk to where I couldn't drive, that day happened to me. I could not drive a car. I'd hit somebody if the Lord didn't help me. So I didn't drive. As a matter of fact, four of us got in that position. Only one, Gary, only one <laughs> missed it. Daniel's on the floor. Pretty soon begins to speak out in tongues. And we're watching him and having a great time. He came up off the floor and opened his mouth to Kettered and said, in the name of Jesus, and he prophesied to me. I'm the first one he ever prophesied to. And it was right out of the book of Isaiah. Chapter 42, behold my servant, my elect, whom I'm uphold with my right hand. And he's prophesying to me. Today, Daniel is an intercessor. Prays constantly in the spirit. Walks 15, 20 miles a day in various places. Prophesies not just to individual people if he goes to a church, but he prophesies over cities and regions, states, and countries. And the Lord sends him out, and he's on a high place, and he's just speaking the words of the Lord by the Spirit. Most of the time, doesn't even know what he's saying. Not important. His Spirit is in harmony with the Holy Spirit, who is God. God is a Father. God is a Son. The Word and God is the Holy Spirit. So God is the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and entered in him in 1998. And for the last 22 years, he's been an intercessor traveling the world by faith alone at the Word of God, bringing the Word of God. Angels have visited him. He's seen angels. I was out with him last November. I had a little job to do, and I don't want to tell you about it today, but anyway... He went with me, and he saw the angel of the Lord come and listen to what I was saying because I was sent to him. I didn't, I didn't see him. He did. Spirit. So listen. It's a simple matter. To those that love him, to those that want him, I'm telling you that the water gets deeper and deeper and deeper as we go the road. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I'm eager to talk about our soul before long earthbound as it is. So our relationship can be spirit to spirit, not soul to spirit, not mind to spirit, soul spirit to spirit. Yes, again. It's a simple matter. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened for you. Daniel prayed for months before the Lord gave it to him. He didn't stop. That's what he wanted. I don't think we have to pray for months. My wife called me at my office and told me what happened to her, and I jumped off my chair in my office, and I was reading the Word, and 
told me, and I got so jealous, I went to church that night and said, pray for me. About a dozen people gathered around me praying in another language, and the next thing you know, I'm praying in another language. And I knew something changed, something happened. That Bible became a brand new book. I became a brand new man. I was awakened to God. I was saved. But my spirit is joined with the Lord, and it can't be unjoined, Jeff. It's not possible. He paid a lot to get us. Not going to let us go. So if you don't have that witness, you can. I'm going to invite you to come up. We'll pray today. See what God does. It's up to you. Nothing emotional here. I don't like emotion stuff. That's soul. Spirit. Spirit to spirit. So that we can know him like that. It just gets better and deeper and wider and sweeter and purer and more holy. And he becomes more likable no matter what he does because your spirit is joined with his spirit. I mean, you can know that. You can know that there's been a connection. So if you want to pray, please come forward and we'll pray. Meanwhile, are you going to sing a song there? Yeah, yeah. Sure, come on. If you, if you need to know more about this message, if you didn't get it for some reason, you didn't understand or you're not so sure, listen to it again. You're going to hear the voice of God. This is not my message. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> I said to my wife a couple of days ago, I said, listen, I'm just going to lay it out there and let them do what they want. She said, you need to give an altar call. I said, okay, all right, I will. So I'm, I'm making an offer. If you want to pray for that baptism, you come on, and we'll pray. Yes? Oh, I don't know anything about that. That's just, that's the guy, this guy's issue right here. What do you want to do? Huh? Just, here, we got the baskets, right? Why don't you just do a, a, a march and just march right up here and put your money in the baskets. How does that sound? Hey, <laughs> we used to do that at the Harvest House. They wanted, I never took an offering. We had a box back there, and they wanted me. They started telling me, we need to take an offering because we're not remembering. And I said, okay. So we just put, put a box up front, let them come up with money in it while the song played or something. I wasn't concerned. I have this relationship, a promise that can't be broken. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And there's just no issue about it. You can trust him with everything. So if you want that deeper walk, if you've never had that connection, you can. And maybe today. I'm offering a prayer. God bless you.